0: So I wake up in the morning a couple of days ago to the news here in Vancouver, where I where I live, that uh, our one of our national networks is closing down three three radio stations, uh, three sports stations. They're just letting the entire staff go, let them go. They were profitable, but they weren't profitable enough, and uh, they were just letting them go. And they are going to ultimately switch the format from talk sports, which is probably one of the most popular online formats, to stand-up comedy which is of what? course cheaper yeah which is cheaper for them um but it made me start to think about where we're going for radio and now I don't know are you like were you a fan of radio your whole life were you a big part of was radio a big part of your growing up
1: ebbed and flowed uh i i really got more into it the older i got i still remember being in a car with a friend in my 20s and she put on npr and i was like this is what are you doing why aren't we listening to music and then by the next decade i was all in on like news stations and stuff like that and 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 i you know of course i I have a radio broadcasting certification but i Mm -hmm. do really value it and and i even think podcasting increased my my appreciation for it
0: Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for baby boomers and Gen X who are interested in online business. We are interested in finding our place in the digital age. In this podcast, you'll learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, and more, all from our perspective. The world's changing, our prospects are changing, the job market is not interested in us anymore, and many of us face a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need to take our years of experience and put it to work for us, a side hustle or online business of our own. We need to develop mad skills to adapt and evolve in order to thrive in this digital age. I can help, I want to help, and this podcast will help. It wasn't that long ago that I was struggling to transition from my former career in traditional broadcasting into online business. There were lots of bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm here to say it is a fantastic and worthwhile journey. I am glad you found us. Well, radio for me though, was a huge part of my past. I I did a radio show for, for years and years here in Canada, and it was, it was a crowning achievement in a broadcaster's life to have their own radio program and to, and to, to have the trust, but it used to take so much energy to put on a radio program. You know, you think about how much investment do you, there's licensing fees that you're paying to your, mm-hmm. to you, whatever your uh, overriding authority here, the Canadian CRTC charges. I mean, I don't know if it's hundreds of thousands, but it's, you know, in that range of dollars per year per license. And then you had mm-hmm. all of the equipment and you had the staff and you had this fantastic infrastructure to do something, which essentially you and I are doing right now with about a <laughs> buck 70 worth of USB microphones and a mixer. Right. <laughs>
1: Well, do do you remember? Okay, this might be a little more again for the Gen Xers listening, or or maybe older. But the the movie Pump Up the Volume yes. with Christian Slater, yeah. and that was, I think, one of my first realizations seeing that movie that you know radio had power, wow. you know, and and the fact that it had a very high entry gate because you know he they were they were basically stealing mm. the frequency and, to, to
0: hop on and, and heavily legislated heavily heavily yes. um there's a wonderful movie called i think it's called pirate radio of one of the first the, they went off the coast of england and they broadcast from a trawler so that they could uh, they could do the type of music and the type of stories that they wanted but anyways that's yes. all lost in antiquity now as these great country companies uh, are now slashing and and just dicing up the the different radio properties they have because they are a diminishing asset and they are diminishing ever so fast. Uh, yep. in, in a couple of things uh, that really just came to mind as I, as I as I as I bemoaned the loss of many of my friends' jobs. I know a lot of these people. I worked for a time in the mm-hmm. in the sports industry and obviously in the radio industry. So these are my friends. That are that are being now unceremoniously sent to the street um, and many of them are gen X and baby boomers hopefully maybe the gray wave can become something that that supports them as, as they move ahead I should reach out to them but I started to think you know when was the last time I even listened to radio in the car and I've got a newer car or I've got a newer interface in my car and when I think about the car in in my wife's car as well it's easier in a new car with the dashboard setups to listen to a podcast than it is to listen to a terrestrial radio or FM station. Think about mm-hmm. that for a second.
1: Yeah, it's easy as pie. I can even, with my phone, that's what we yeah. typically do, is we just hook it up by Bluetooth. I can just hit play and keep up with whatever podcast I was just listening to, which is typically what I do when I get in the
0: Yeah, car. and people have been doing that by tethering for a little while, but now the Apple CarPlay interface, for example, and all of the different interfaces, when you look at them, it is podcasts are right there, front and center. And it's, and it's Mm -hmm. accessing your collection in your account or on your phone. Uh, Whereas Mm -hmm. listening to radio is it's, it's far more difficult to find. And of course there's all of the, the overhead of, you know, all the ads that are running on radio and even though there are ads on podcasts, uh, Mm -hmm. but it, it speaks to the shift in emphasis uh, away from the the traditional radio. Having said that the power of audio is still there. We, we recognize, I mean, it, there was a statistic at the beginning of the pandemic there was, I believe they quoted 800,000 podcasts, eight to 900,000 podcasts uh, in uh, April or May of last year. And fast forward, what is it, nine or 10 months to today? Just give me a guess how many podcasts there are currently on the roster.
1: I'm going to say 3.7 million.
0: Okay, you're way off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice It's nice that you go big or go home. It's, it's about 1. 1.6, 1. 1.7 million. They've nearly doubled the number of podcasts being published wow. right now. And it, the pandemic of course has a lot to do with it, but also people are starting to recognize the power of the podcast because with radio, you have to reach a huge broad audience because the, you can't narrow in on a demographic the way you can with a podcast. You know, you have to hit the people that are in their cars and listening. Uh, and it's a, it's a broad swath cost cross-section, mainly geographically based, whereas with podcasting, you can get to your absolute target audience and recognizing that, you know, even a podcast that maybe only has a hundred or 50 or 75 or 200 downloads, it might seem on the surface uh, with our ego, like that's a bit of a failure, but if you're listening, but if, if you've got a very niche podcast that you're talking specifically to one group of people, every single person listening here right now to our podcast is baby boomer or Gen X. They are in our demographic and they're interested in online business and they're interested in what it takes to build an online business and the tools and the techniques and the ways that it happens. We couldn't ask for a better platform to share to our target audience than through a platform like this because it is so focused. It's opt-in all of the way through. They choose to listen and they have total control. So that's right. I mean, just the, the power and the capability of that is, is the reason I think that the pot, the future is super bright for online audio. And I'm now I'm couching my term from podcasting to online audio because of this, because of this, uh, this clubhouse thing that's going on. Now, have you, have you <laughs> been hearing about clubhouse?
1: Oh, Steve, so much, <laughs> so much. And I am just sick of it and as an android user uh, i was going to yeah. say you're
0: just you're 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 not one of the cool kids you're left out in the cold right now
1: i love that you brought up cool kids i literally have compared it to a school lunchroom mm-hmm. like everybody's over at the cool kids table I would go over, but I don't have the right device. And they're all talking and engaging and doing their little stages. And I'm like, mm, I'm just watching from over here. That that must be nice. Or sometimes I'm like, that maybe that's not that nice. Mm. So
0: well, I I certainly appreciate the uh, the sentiment. The fact that it's a so so we should just just take a step back and explain. Clubhouse is a new. They call themselves a social network. I think. Uh, they aren't really a social network I think which I will talk about in a few moments. I've got a, a bit of a rant on it that I'm going to share with you. But uh, Clubhouse is a platform which is audio only where you go in to Clubhouse and there are a variety of different stations. They call them rooms or cl- clubhouses and on in each room is a stage where somebody is presenting. It's basically different content, it's basically a radio show. Uh, and you can see the other people in the room. And so I guess I have to describe it all to you, Rachel, because you don't know anything about it.
1: And if for anyone, any other Android users, I mean, bring it. We we don't know. I'm I'm hungry to hear how this even works. Yeah.
0: Now, and we we'll, in full disclosure, we are recording this uh, just before Valentine's Day, 2021. So, but if you're listening to this in replay, the chances are you have uh, a Android app now, and you're thinking, "What the heck are you guys talking about?" But with the for the first year that this app has been around, it has been iOS only. It's been only for the Cool Apple kids to be able to participate, and we, of course, we know Rachel. I mean, at the end of the day, the cool people do use Apple, of course. But uh, <laughs> nevertheless, we, we'll we'll get you we'll get you over there sometime. <laughs> uh,
1: I doubt it. I love my Android, but yeah, sometimes these waiting. It's good to have somebody to on the other hard. side.
0: It's good to have an, a, a, a voice in the enemy camp, so I know what's going on. <laughs> at any rate, so you go into these rooms and you listen, and people get up on stage, and the, the content is great. The people are intelligent, they're articulate, they're getting some incredible hosts of these different events. But it is fraught with challenges as well, which I will talk about in just a few moments. But as well, you know, and I don't wanna sound like the total negative Nelly on the entire Clubhouse thing because all of my friends have been inviting me, they're all telling me how wonderful it is. You'll hear why I have my concerns overall about this app. But what I don't have a concern about is the power of online audio and where it's going to, where it's bringing us, and seeing uh, radio stations capitulate the way that they have just here now in Canada with these three stations just shutting down. As sad as that is, from an, a human toll, in a human perspective, it really speaks to the changing of the guard and the, the continued migration and shifting of people who are drawn to listen to good content into the online space.
1: There's, and I think you're. We might talk about this too, but there's so many things that I think are important to consider about. You know, you go, and I again, I'm not even in it, but I hear about it. Um, you wonder if, like, some of these radio stations, you know, typically been using the airwaves are they going to set up their brands on stuff like this oh, yeah. on clubhouse or things like that so they can make sure hey well <laughs> if you're not listening to us by dialing in tuning in your actual radio you can still catch pieces of what we broadcast on this app that apparently all apple users are using yeah.
0: and i mean there are some apps that are like that you know you've got your tune-in radio and your things where you can tune in around the world which are i don't see them as destinations in our, in this journey, I see them as bridges. You know, they're keeping yep. they're keeping some income coming in uh, for these stations, they're keeping some exposure, they're convenient for, you know, if you come from Ireland and you grew up in Dublin and you're now living in Denver, you can listen to your old radio stations that you listen to, that's, those are wonderful little things, but that's not gonna keep the lights on and it's not gonna keep the DJs mm-hmm. in Dublin employed. Um, but right. but it is, you know, it, it's it's nice incidental. No, the entire model is shifting, clubhouse is a big step towards that shifting i think the biggest step is podcasting but there are going to be other steps that we are going to see as the is the continued migration from terrestrial and uh, in traditional radio to the online space continues did you know that we host a free live training almost every week this is a fact most weeks we host a free tutorial webinar covering productivity, content creation, or online marketing. It is called Webinar Wednesday and you can find out this week's webinar by visiting DottoTech.com slash Wednesday. It is the best way for you to up your skills to the next level for free. Join us, links are in the description or just visit DottoTech.com slash Webinar Pop quiz, what is the current bright shiny penny in the social media marketing space? What is everybody talking about? Well, the answer to that question is Clubhouse. My feed has been filled with people asking me to join them in Clubhouse, to come into Clubhouse, to stake my claim in Clubhouse, to become a part of the Clubhouse community. Clubhouse is an audio-only social network. It's, it's in a lot of ways, it's more a broadcast medium than any social platform before, but more on that in a moment. It's pretty brand spanking new. It started in the middle of 2020. It was founded by Paul Davison and uh, Rohan Seth, and it was backed by uh, Andreessen and Horowitz, so it had some serious some serious experienced backers behind it. And the creators had a lot of experience creating different social platforms. And so it was a, it was going to be a serious product with this kind of, with this uh, genealogy. Now it is a, as I say, if if you have not yet uh, experimented with it or seen it, perhaps you are not in the iOS universe because it's an Apple only product right now, only running on iOS devices but it will come to other platforms in the not-too-distant future. Despite that limitation, there are about 2 million weekly active users. But effectively, it is an app that you jump into, and it has a series of different rooms within the clubhouse. In the clubhouse itself, these rooms are basically radio stations with a slight twist. Now, a lot of people will describe them in a lot of different ways, but that effectively is what it is. You go into, when you enter the app, you are asked to indicate what topics you are interested in. You, uh, with it, based on that, recommendations come to you of different, different rooms or different kind of stages. They, and they actually call the front of the, the room a stage. And what happens there is there is a speaker. There is a presenter who is speaking in that room. It's like tuning in to a radio station. Now, here's the thing. They call themselves a social network. But they are like no other social network that I'm really aware of because of some very significant limitations. We'll talk about those limitations in a moment when I start to poo-poo it, but instead let's talk about the positive side of Clubhouse. And it's attracted a lot of very interesting people. Uh, There's a lot of celebrities and elites who are visiting Clubhouse and sharing on a Fairly regular basis now, and building a bit of a following within it, including Oprah Winfrey. I mean, talk about as big as they get. Uh, we've got uh, Kevin Hart has been uh, has been a part of it, and uh, just recently Elon Musk hosted a hosted a room and is spent about two hours talking to his uh, talking to his followers. Now, when you enter a room you are there as you 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 are actually kind of there's a virtual you in the room that other people can see and is a part of the room but you have no way of interacting with the other people in the room it's like you've walked into a room and been asked to sit on your hands and be quiet and not say anything because there's no cross-pollination of conversation happening the presenter on stage can invite other people on stage to join them and then they would then have the right to be able to speak to the assembled throng. But the assembled throng itself has no way of actually talking to the the hosts, asking questions, etc. There is no built-in communication mechanism within Clubhouse. You can subscribe to people, you can follow people, there is a following methodology built into it, but there is no conversation or discussion or direct messaging, uh, either chat type conversation or direct messaging type conversation built into it, which is where I have my biggest concerns over Clubhouse. I mean, think about it. If you go into a room and you happen to see me in the room listening to somebody intelligent talking, you said, I've always wanted to have a chat with Steve. Uh, I would love to, I would love to reach out to him. Or if uh, indeed you are in a Clubhouse room and I'm speaking and you decide that you want to reach out to me and get to know me, guess what has to happen? You have to go to my Twitter account or my Instagram account and reach out to me and follow me there. So in order to have a conversation with me, you have to move off of the platform that we met on or that you followed me on in order to engage with me in conversation. And I just find that passing curious. No, it's beyond passing curious. I find it frustrating. I feel like I'm being manipulated. I feel like they're almost saying to me, you know something, Steve, if you're not cool enough. To understand why this is the way it is and why it's cool, you're probably not cool enough to be a player in this space. Now, maybe that's just my crotchetiness and my old time things for better in my day perspective perspective. But that's one of the things that I feel when I see them putting what I consider to be artificial, uh, artificial barriers in place. You know, you're building an app from the ground up. Everybody on the planet has figured out how to do chat and how to do messaging within their apps. They are the cornerstone of many an app. And there are other services that you can just plug in that will facilitate it. At least pay lip service to it. But no, they will force you off platform. That is concern number one. Concern number two that I have might be even a bigger one. And that is all clubhouse events are live with no recordings and no archive. And in this day and age, that to me is another thing that I feel like I'm being manipulated by them doing because it goes—it's counterintuitive to common sense for most of us. Uh, but this again, I, this is maybe the reason that I feel that they are that they are telling me that I'm not cool enough to see it because I think that it's a it's a gross underservingness that they're grossly underserving their community when they do this. And here, here's the reason. I can see the appeal of an event that is you have to attend live in order to participate. And there is a, there's a certain special nature to it. That's why we love live concerts. That's why we love live theater. That's why we enjoy those sorts of things. And so trying to recreate that in this environment, I can see that I can see the appeal to making it an event and making it special and creating a sense of scarcity so that it's special if you happen to be able to attend. But this is not true scarcity, it's false scarcity, because if, if you 2 comes to Vancouver and plays a concert, if you live in Toronto, it's just not convenient for you to uh, come to it in Vancouver. You'd have to get on a plane, you'd have to invest, but you, you, you would, you'd have to go through, uh, inordinate hoops in order to come because of physical limitations. They're real world limitations put in place by distance and time we don't have those limitations in our digital realm. We have spent the last 20 or 30 years building an infrastructure that allows us to live our lives worldwide and asynchronously. So that if I listen to a podcast uh, with somebody who says something brilliant and I wanna share it with my team, I point them to the podcast and they listen to it because they can listen to it wherever and whenever they are. If I see a YouTube live stream, of something where somebody says something really intelligent and really articulate, and I want to share that with my team, we can go to the replay and watch it for as long as that replay is allowed to be there. Now, the creator doesn't have to leave the replay up. The creator can determine that it is a that it is going to be an event that's broadcast live and there is no replay, and that's their choice. But they also have the ability to create a replay and to, to make it more accessible to people who it's not convenient for them To be able to participate when it was live, you know, at any time we do any live stream of any sort, half of the world is asleep or at work. You know, there's a small percentage of people that is in a time zone that it works for and the rest of the world, it's inconvenient or nigh on impossible for them to participate. So I find it very curious that they are, that they've decided that they are going to not have it, that they're going to recreate this real world value of joining live. When they have the technology to make it so that we don't have to do that in order to participate in the content. And again, my gut reaction is I'm being manipulated. I hear other social media marketers talk about what a great thing this is and how much value it adds and how it makes it special and how people are going to engage so much more. And indeed, you know, if I wanted to listen to Elon Musk, I would have, you know, put into my calendar the time that he was speaking and I would make sure that I'm in the room as did many, many others to participate. But my friends on the other side of the world aren't going to do that because it was at like literally three in the morning for them and they aren't going to, they aren't going to be able to participate. So all they can do is say, oh, I missed out, I guess I suck, or I guess where I live sucks, or I'm not important enough for Elon to want to talk in my time zone so that I can hear what he has to say. So we are disenfranchising people. And as I say, we've we've built this, the, the, the Internet's infrastructure to overcome these limitations, to allow us to live asynchronously and to live in a worldwide community and still all be equal participants. So those two aspects really bother me. Uh, they, the fact that they you have to move off platform for conversation and the fact that you can't record. Now, people are already hacking and figuring out ways to record. I'm not sure if it's against their terms of service or not, but people are recording their podcasts in Clubhouse, which I like the idea of. I love the idea of recording a podcast, having a live audience feeding off of that audience, and then taking that content and using it to create a podcast. Now, people are also, though, having to, if you want to engage with that audience, if you want to have questions from that audience and interaction, you have to invoke another platform. You have to get your questions coming into you from Twitter or some other way for people to engage in the audience. They actually have There's a, inside of your app, you have the ability to listen, but you also have the ability if you're brought in to be able to broadcast from within your app. And there's a mute button within it so that if you are on stage it's what they call it if you happen to be in the in the actual uh, broadcast uh there's a mute button so that you can eliminate the background noise and often in some of these clubhouses people will bring a large number of people on stage and there'll be like a group speak thing happening um but the way that people indicate uh applause is there's no emoji that you can click on that uh, that puts a happy face or a thumbs up or anything like that you toggle on and off your mute button in order to indicate a a sense of applause and a, a sense of affirmation for the content that's being presented, which is, oh, okay. That's, you know, we figured out a way around it already. We figured around one of the interaction things. Uh, but I would like to see more tools put in place that allow it to be, you know, kind of conversations obviously to happen. Now, Let's look at this slightly from a different angle though, because I am looking at this as a social media marketer. When we look at the luminaries, people with much larger followings than you or I who are speaking on Clubhouse and liking it and what the reasons are they like it. I'm, I'm left to think think of a few different kind of more subtle aspects. First of all, access to a large audience is always going to be appealing, but let's be realistic here. You know, if, uh, Aston Kutcher jumps on YouTube live, he's going to get a lot of people listening on YouTube live. I don't think he's going to get more people tuning in in clubhouse, uh, than he is on the other social platforms. So that's a little bit of a red herring people saying, you know, I've got X number of followers on clubhouse, that's what makes it great. That's not what makes it great. If you are presenting the same content in one of our other social platforms and doing a good job of it on Facebook live or Instagram live or on YouTube live, you would be garnering a large audience as well. And you would be, you would be just as successful in those platforms. I, I believe that that is the case. What is unique about this is they then can take advantage of the fact this is more of a broadcast and less of a social platform. So they have the stage and they have nobody to interrupt them per se, because there's no chat happening. There's nothing, they're not being called out right within the chat, within the platform. They might be being called out in Twitter or being fact-checked in Twitter or in another platform where people are having the conversation, but in platform. The people that are in the room and listening to them in the room, it's far more like a broadcast than it is a social interaction, which most of the other live streams take take into account. You know, we all look what's happening in chat. We ask people questions. We kind of have a live studio audience that creates engagement or many of us do when we're doing live streams or webinars or any of the other broadcast, quasi broadcast platforms that we're using. This is much more true to the real broadcast, old school broadcast and radio metaphor. When I did a radio show, I would sit there and I would be speaking into the microphone and uh, not all. <laughs> the, I didn't see avatars of people sitting in a room, so I didn't know for sure that there were people listening. But when you start asking questions and you start doing call-in shows, if people aren't calling in, it's a pretty lonely experience. And it feels very one way. I have a feeling that that is a little bit of what can happen within, within clubhouse, because you don't have people in platform that you can engage with unless you bring them on stage, uh, to be a participant. So you don't have the audience, the, the lines of the audience is blurred a little bit. But having said that, I think that a lot of the higher profile presenters like the sense that they they are buffered from the great unwashed audience to a certain extent and they have a little bit of protection and it's much more like our traditional radio and television broadcasts, that it's a one-way delivery. And I know that a lot of my friends are in love with Clubhouse and see tremendous value in it and they see my criticism as... Uh, I, 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 Maybe the, the befuddled musings of an old time media person who just doesn't get new media the way they do, or they just think I'm grumpy and crotchety, which is completely acceptable to, to, to place on me as well. Having said all of this, I think you should take a look at Clubhouse. If you happen to be lucky enough to be in the Apple ecosystems, as it's not yet available to our friends over in the Android world, but it is not a platform that I am intending myself to invest in. If I was as large and as popular and as famous as Elon Musk, I would probably be all over it and looking at it in a slightly different direction. But for those of us who it's important to have conversations with our community and not just pontificate to them, I think Clubhouse has a way to go. And and they are going to want to really, I believe, reevaluate some of their engagement engines that are built within the platform. Gray Matters is a production of Dottotech. There's a lot more to us than just this podcast. Nearly every week, we host a free online training called Webinar Wednesday, but we could not create any of this content without the generous support of our patrons. DottoTech is a community funded channel and I want to express my gratitude to those of you who support us each and every month, keeping us on the air. If you value the content we deliver here, please consider supporting us. Visit patreon.com slash DottoTech and we have perks. Most of our members contribute $10 dollars a month, and for that, they receive access to over 150 trainings we've delivered on Webinar Wednesday, as well as discounts on our other premium courses. Plus, one great perk for this community, access to Don't Retire, Rewire, a great primer for those of you considering launching an online business of your own. Once again, to all our patrons, we would not be here without you, my thanks to you. And those of you considering joining us, I think it's a great idea, but I have to admit, I am a bit biased. Now, Rachel, I'm just hoping that people don't think that I'm just, as I say, a negative Nelly on the whole Clubhouse thing. It could well end up being a really successful platform, but do you see my points? Do you see the issues that I have?
1: I do. I, <laughs> You mentioned how it seems like it's more of a broadcasting uh, versus social network, which I completely based on your descriptions alone. I completely agree with. And look, I also see it from a social media marketer standpoint. As social media people, we are constantly trying to tell people, do not use social as a fire hose, as you're just pushing stuff out and never caring about if someone comments or applies. You never do that. You never engage with anyone who's reacting to your posts. And then I hear this description of, oh, well, Basically, it's it's like a captive audience that they they can't you know detract you. You don't you don't have any trolls. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a big one where I yeah. was like, well, I can definitely see the you know the appeal there. We all hate trolls on social, but it is it's a it's a wrapped audience and and I so from a social media marketer standpoint, I get a little nervous because I'm like, this is a brand's dream come true. I can do the things on social with a social app. I just did air quotes right there that you told me i shouldn't do from a Mm -hmm. marketing standpoint so i get concerned about that
0: and uh the lack of the lack of a comments thread within the within the uh, within the event itself to me loses it it really does get back to radio terrestrial radio where you're listening to radio and uh because you can't have your cake and eat it too if people are in the room if you want the if you want this social proof of seeing all of these avatars of people in your room listening to you which creates the illusion that what you are saying is valuable then prove it you know allow chat to happen. i'm, I'm such a huge fan of chat in facebook yes. live and youtube live or in my webinars i always turn on chat because the comments coming from the people are uh, that are listening either validate or challenge the whatever's being proposed to you in the mm-hmm. broadcast and it is the perfect form of social proof and now for those of you that are don't maybe don't know what we're talking about as far as this term social proof social proof is really the idea that we're all lemmings I guess right. You know we all we you know we read something on Facebook and we think wow that's really intelligent but if it's got no likes we question ourselves. Yeah. But if it has lots of likes it has Air quote. Now again, we'll use we'll continue to use air quotes for the rest of today's show. Uh, but it has social proof at that point there, and so we 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 are we're, we're no different than a child as it's growing up, looking to its mother to see if she's smiling or afraid as it, it sees a stranger <laughs> to determine whether or not it's a safe environment. We we look for social proof in everything we do, and we crave it as as content creators. Mm-hmm. The, it within Clubhouse, I'm not too sure how social proof gets. in and, and, and it can be very vain, but it can also be very powerful and something that you can really rely on and, what that, and you can leverage, especially for social marketers. Are the conversations then happening in Twitter? And is that where the social proof then happens as you start trending in Twitter? But then you're pulling people off platform. That it,
1: Okay, right there, right there. That That is a huge problem interesting flag to me. I'm not going to say red necessarily because I get to the point where I'm like, I think y'all are the beta testers. You mm-hmm. iPhone users, you're testing this out because I, I literally can't imagine they stay in a place where they give you no choice. But if you want to engage with the people that are in the room, you have to leave the app. That is in no way any other social media apps, business model. They always want to keep you in the app. Mm. Look at Facebook. I mean, they don't want you to ever leave. They're YouTube trying to do rewards everything. In you
0: there. rewards you terrifically. If you keep people on platform and punishes you relentlessly, if you push people off.
1: Exactly. So I, I have to, I literally am trying to get into the heads of the creators of clubhouse right now. I can't imagine they don't eventually incorporate a chat of some type. Um, mm. Because you're right. I'm one of those people, Steve, who I, if I'm in a Zoom meeting and if I'm not the one who's talking, I, if there's a chat over there, I start engaging in the chat. I ask people questions lightly or very specifically related to what we're talking about, but um, it helps engage because how, you know, death by PowerPoint, death by Zoom sometimes, because we're all in meetings a lot of the time, especially if you work for companies and stuff. But you're right. I mean, I, I just, that's where I, it's not social to me if there is no chat. Mm. thus I can't imagine them not incorporating it or acquiring a chat leg of it at some point point.
0: and you know what is their business model ultimately going to be are they going to be advertising driven or are they going to be data driven are they going to be the information yeah. that they get from us is the information that they're going to you know you know are they going to gate the thing and you're building again you're building your business on rented land because yes. clubhouse is the only way to listen um so there's all these all these red flags but on the positive side, they are right now, you know, a wonderful experiment that's going ahead and people are people are embracing it. We're seeing the type of content that, would, that I'm sure they hoped would come down the pipe, you know, with different celebrities and different high-end influencers on board. They are certainly catching the right um, – they're getting the right people on board as far as the influencers goes uh you know there's interesting conversations happening from politics to sports to technology so they're getting a cross section so they're going to have a good kick at the can as far as as being significant and once they do add and incorporate the rest of the world bring the android bring the android crowd in you know they're going to get another real boost in a uh, real boost although the longer they wait the more they open the door for other platforms to release mm-hmm. their version of Clubhouse la Twitter la whatever, you know, if they're successful, you know, Facebook is going to be doing something and YouTube with Google won't ignore this for very long if it is successful. Right. So there's a lot of other shoes to drop in this narrative.
1: I saw I saw an article today. Uh, I was just talking about Mark Zuckerberg's already looking at how they can copy Clubhouse. Mm. Um create something there. Twitter already has any mm-hmm. Twitter spaces. Um, yes.
0: But let's not worry now about the future of Clubhouse, but let's instead talk about what are the what are the core principles? What are the core things within Clubbos that are moving it ahead and that, that are, is appealing. So at the baseline it's audio, which we'll talk about in a moment. But the other thing is this it's the uniqueness is the scarcity that they're creating is mm-hmm. they, it, now they're either doing that by evoking memories of when radio was just, you know, it just happened and it was gone and it's the event type. Uh, concept that's a big part of it and you actually told me that there's other platforms are following that same kind of nostalgic trend of less is of of less features and less access is somehow appealing
1: yeah like it was just in the last 24 hours preparing to record this i saw on twitter someone was offering invites much like i've seen on clubhouse and every other tweet i see uh but offering invitations to an app called dispo d-i-s-p-o and you know, i guess it's meant to allude to disposable and disposable cameras so the whole concept from what i could gather in my searches is that they're in the beta mode and they're inviting people to beta test this app and it's supposed to take you back to the day where Instead of taking a selfie, many selfies, let's be honest, with my with my phone camera and deciding which one's the best to post on my social. Um, Instead of doing that, you take pictures, but you give it to this app and then you have to wait to see which ones come back to you. Much like in the days we all remember where you had to take, you know, film, camera, the
0: film. Is that the?
1: I don't know. I have a feeling it's not actually film,
0: but obviously not film, but the same that metaphor.
1: But yeah, and apparently uh, the creator of this, he was at a party trying to kind of, and this was back in October 2020. He was trying to kind of pitch it and he was at his big elite party and he brought a disposable camera. But it was all with a theme of saying, isn't this cool? You have to actually wait, um, you know, to see, uh, we have to go put, you know, the it developed and then i'll bring you the pictures later so i imagine it's going to be maybe a mix of digital and actual film camera but it's meant to make you wait and not be that perfectionist of taking 20 to 50 selfie shots which by the way instagram influencers do that's what Mm -hmm. they do but they and i'm not that i'm not one of those but i know that that's what happens but it's supposed to bring us back to that day where hey waiting's okay and look if you think about it i'm even thinking about us we want we watched wandavision last night we have to wait every week for a new episode, just like television used to be. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, this trend we're seeing of waiting might actually be a, a good thing again.
0: It's not. It's not better.
1: <laughs> no, I, I love instant gratification. But there's apparently yeah. people are liking the fact that they're getting made to wait. And there's like that anticipation yeah. is
0: hot. Yeah. It's, it, you know, and waiting for something, if it's legitimate, is fine. You know, and and things like trickling out a television series over time like that, doing a serialized content, that's all fine. But when it's when we're talking about things like where we built technology specifically to uh, to create access for people, and then mm-hmm. we pull it away artificially, that's when I start to have an issue. And you know what that speaks to? You know what that speaks to at the end of the day? That speaks to the trust. Ooh. Is I'm not sure that I trust the motivation of the people at Clubhouse. Why are they putting these artificial limitations in place? I don't know and I don't understand it. I feel like I'm being manipulated, which Mm -hmm. speaks to one of the core principles, one of the core things that's being eroded. You know, we can talk about all of the, uh, you know, erosion of terrestrial radio and the different businesses that are being changed and disruptive technology that's happening. That's that's almost nature taking its course. But one of the victims of this is trust and Mm -hmm. trust worldwide on all levels has never been lowered. You shared with me just an incredible document. Where did you find this?
1: So I do have my own uh, social media focused uh, live stream that I do. And one of my guests, Becky Winchell, she works for Reagan Communications. So she deals with a lot of brands all the time. So I want to give a shout out to her. But she brought this on my show and blew my mind when she told me that this report t- uh, indicates through data that businesses today are the forefront of trust, rather than governments, media, that's not too much of a surprise right now, but governments and things like that, that businesses actually have the corner of the market right now on trust with consumers, which, whoa, and and there's so many other good aspects in this report. But yeah, it dives right in. And it's, it's mind blowing.
0: Now, is this trust of it? Is this uh, sorry, is this trust? Is this document available? Is this report available for public consumption? Can we share it?
1: Yeah, we'll put the link in the, like oh. she, she's, I put the link on my notes for my YouTube and, and yeah, you can just get to it. It's, it's several pages long, but my gosh, it's really a, interesting.
0: Give yourself a half an hour, <clears throat> go to the link, uh, pour yourself a stiff drink because it's, 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 a, it's a, it's a view into the underbelly of what we're doing. And, uh, as far as building and losing of trust and I've always said that, uh, the cornerstone of our business and the cornerstone of successful online business is trust. Is people mm-hmm. have to trust you, yeah. and you know to bring this full circle. One of the ways that people you tr- engender trust is through transparency. Is through people you know really seeing you on a regular basis and and learning. A podcast like this is a terrific example where we you know we we talk about things honestly. Are you know I'm I'm taking an unpopular uh, position on 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 Clubhouse, but I'm giving you the reasons so it allows people to get to know us to determine whether or not they trust our opinion and mm-hmm. trust us to move forward. So building trust is essential, but this is called the Edelman. Is it Edelman? Edelman. I think it's Edelman. Edelman. It's the Edelman. It's it, it's so oh, it's the title of it. The Edelman Trust Barometer, is it for twenty twenty one? It's totally current. It's it's dealing with issues, uh, even as recent as the as the recent election in the U S. Uh, talking about where people come down, and it even talks. It gets a little bit political. It talks a little bit about the Biden voters versus Trump voters, and who mm-hmm. and where their trust lays. But it also looks internationally at uh, different countries and how different countries uh the trust is either increasing very seldom or decreasing amongst all uh, ngos governments businesses down to the personalities the spokespeople it talks about how we react to the uh to the ceos and to the the to the leader to the business leadership uh and and where trust is and it's a fascinating exploration
1: Yep. You know, it it made me think of uh, one of my favorite book series is Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And there's a moment when, you know, everybody go with me. If you've read the books, you're going to be like, oh, I remember that. Frodo, the main character, he is intending to go forward by himself. He uh, has a dangerous, dangerous quest he's got to be on. And his friends have been car- bringing him to a certain place and he knows he's going to leave him. And he's like, how am I going to tell him? How am I going to tell him? And they pop up saying, hey, we know you're trying to go forward by yourself. You're not. We're going to go with you. And he's and he's mad because he one of his friends had told the others that, no, they're going to have to stay behind. And he says, I can't trust anyone now. And they made a statement saying... That's not how this works. You, If you're saying you can't trust us to leave you and to make you go forward into danger without us, then no, you can't trust us. But you can trust us to be with you, to be your friends, and to go forward on this quest with you as far as we can and to help you as much as we can. Mm-hmm. So I love that aspect where, and it kind of gets to that CEO and stakeholder and, and spokesperson part where um, you have to be authentic today and at least let people know they can trust who you are, that you'll be that person all the time whether you know whatever way you float with that but there's that aspect of trust too where it's just like can, can you be consistent and not do things that are totally converse to what I expect from you
0: yeah and trust is also knowing the uh, the limitations of the, the the vessel or the person that you place the trust within if you are say one of the I think one of the reasons that trust is higher for corporations and individuals mm-hmm. is people understand their goals. People understand, you know, if, if you say I trust, um, you know, Tesla or I trust Apple, I, Apple's one that has a high degree of trust. I trust Apple. The reason you trust Apple is you can tell what Apple's goals are. Apple wants you to buy the frickin' iPhone. Apple <laughs> wants you to use their systems. Apple wants you to sign up for their music services and they want you to purchase and spend money with them. So you know what they want from you. Yes.
1: Where it's transactional. Where it becomes
0: so murky and so difficult is where we don't know. What you want from us? What we're talking about with Clubhouse right now? I don't know what their ultimate goal is. I don't know what their business looks like. I don't necessarily I, in with Facebook and Google. I know less. It's more murky of what their ultimate goal is because it's constantly changing. And <clears throat> and I I also think perhaps it's the one of the reasons that we don't trust them as much as is maybe we do understand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like, well, and we do it begrudgingly, right? Like, I'm holding the device and I'm using this app and I know what you're doing with it, but I'm still going to use it.
0: But kind of bringing that back and putting a button on everything, when we talk about audio, when we talk about online audio, there's a special nature to it, which is, you know, hearing a person's voice, hearing the energy, uh, the consistent nature of podcasts and audio broadcasts where you're constantly delivering and you're constantly, and you're serving your community by building trust through delivering on time, you're delivering value on a regular basis. And when you layer that on top of the incredible intimacy that happens of being in people's ears, you know, basically when you're on your walk, when you're doing your housework, when you're, you know, you're just, it's a very intimate and personal conversation Mm -hmm. that happens in podcasts or in any online audio that that's one of the reasons that you know, when I look at an app like Clubhouse, I all, for all of the things that I'm concerned about, I also recognize that it can probably do one thing that the world needs a lot of, and it continues to build trust. And if it does that for 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 the people that are broadcasting on it, the people that are consuming it, then it's going to be moving us in the right direction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I'm thinking right now. Like I try to take a walk every day, even though it's frigid outside right now. But um, I always put a couple of different podcasts in my ears when I do that. And there is that sense. And those of you listening right now may feel it. You and I are having a discussion. Someone who's listening to this right now can feel very much like they're in the discussion. They're they're privy to two people talking about topics. We can laugh. We can make them laugh. We might make them yell. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that, which Who hasn't yelled at the radio in the past Mm -hmm. when someone said something but you feel a part of it and and so i totally agree i think that even more so than live streaming and probably especially so it's again going back to what you said it lowers the barrier because people can talk they may not feel like oh i need to be on camera too but if they can just talk and speak in your ear um, with by themselves or with somebody else that that is that that's an intimacy that you know is is again high price on that these days
0: looking forward to hearing if anybody has any comments to share with us you know we might end up well be you know kind of eating our words as we i can imagine like six months from now us saying join us on clubhouse where we're going to be recording next week's (laughs) podcast only if i
1: have an iphone uh,
0: but I wanted to just uh, just to let people know that if they do have comments, if they do have an opinion, we'd love for you to share it with us. Uh, you can. There'll be links within the blog post, which it will be at 55gray, com slash 55gray. It will be all of the show notes uh, from today's podcast, or you can just drop us uh, an email to podcasts at dototech.com. Uh, thanks so much for your help today, Rachel. I'm looking forward to hearing what people have to say about this, and, uh, we'll see, and we'll see you next time.
1: Yep, and I'll make sure that as soon as I have access to Clubhouse, I'll make sure I let the podcast know.
0: Okay, we will we, we will revisit this in the not-too-distant <laughs> future. My thanks to everybody tuning in. We will see you next week for more Gray Matters. Till then, I'm Steve Dotto. Have fun storming the castle.